0: Hello
1: everybody out there, Anthony Romeo, Wise Up again. Season two has been off to a great start. Thousands of listeners, so we appreciate it. Continue to comment on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Andor, Anchor or wherever you're streaming these days. Wise Up has been talking to many manufacturers, consultants, product engineers out there that are working in the office space, the enterprise office space, the data center. And we've been bringing attention, as it's very unfortunate times that's going on, everybody's, you know, dealing with uh, the COVID fatigue, if you will. Uh, We started this thing with the one initiative, one objective, I should say, to just educate people in an entertaining way. Because let's just be honest, the layer one infrastructure and the things that are behind the walls, above the ceilings, are not too sexy and exciting to most people. And unless you're me, who's a geek, you're going to like about, the outside diameter of a cable, or why my cell phone is working properly, or how a data center actually is needed, and why it's needed, and why it should power and cooling, and all the other aspects of the game. So without further ado, today we have a special guest with us, Peter Jones, distinguished engineer um, from Cisco. Anybody hear about a company called Cisco? Tiny little company established in 1984. Fun fact, folks, 1984, December 10th, the first planet outside our solar system was founded. Just happy coincidence, you know, amazing company. Um, I'm going to read something because I don't typically read. This is not scripted. Uh, wise up. We've had several guests on our show and, I, and, and you can go back to the notes and look at the other shows, but I've never read anything, but I'm going to read something really quick. Cisco's strategy will change the economics behind how the internet will be built to support the demands of future digital applications, and they will enable customers to operate their businesses with simpler, more cost-effective networks. And again, folks, I'm reading that clearly. It's not my words. It's the investors and people that are behind this company and stand behind this company that are writing that because they know at its simplest form, Peter, you answered that question before at its simplest form what is it that cisco does
0: uh, we build the internet
1: that, that's it <laughs> it's done okay end the show everybody go home thanks <laughs> thanks for listening in anchor spotify itunes end the show no uh, Peter. thanks again for coming in here um i mean you're a busy guy um out of california right you're in uh san jose area uh, yeah about?
0: just set the san jose
1: Yeah, so we're fortunate to have you. So thanks again. I mean, in addition to your role at Cisco, you're uh, chair at the Ethernet Alliance. um, And prior to that, uh, the T Alliance from its inception until its merger with the Ethernet Alliance. And I understand that you stayed very active with the IEEE uh, 802.3 as well. So again, I'm I'm sure your plate's full uh, and you got a lot of things going on, uh, not just in your office, but a lot of things going on. Um, So thank you again so much for joining us at Wise Up. We really appreciate you and your time here. So we're going to try to get, I don't, I don't know, a couple of decades of what's in this man's head out to you to say in 20, 30 minutes is listen up, guys, on Wise Up and Girls, because I've had the privilege of having several discussions with Peter and 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 looking at the case studies and the reports that he's given me, and it is eye opening. So really appreciate him being here. So with that, Peter, how'd you get where you are today, and and what really truly excites you about you know going to work? Most people just punching that clock. Hey, I'm here let me just go pound out another license plate and I'm, <laughs> and I'm good until I put in my 30, right? What, what gets you out of bed in the morning and gets you going about your job and your role within Cisco?
0: So firstly, Anthony, so thanks for inviting me to come along. Um, I think it's really important that we talk to more than just ourselves. And so getting access to people who listen to you is a little awesome to me. Um, how did I get here? Well, Grew up in Perth, Western Australia. You can probably hear from the accent. Um, I I thought
1: that was Brooklyn, but I I was off.
0: (laughs) So Australia is large, right? It's the size of the U.S. with about 25 million people. And the Western third of the country is one state. uh, About two and a half million people and 2 million of them live in Perth. So it's very isolated. I think what's interesting about that is you end up with a sort of different view of the world, which is you do what you can with what you have because it's a very long way away from anywhere. And I think that's sort of the essence of how Australians approach problems. So I went through high school, actually spent, my first job was in the mining town. So I spent two and a half years working on an iron ore mine. Did university in Perth, I actually planned to do physics. Then I figured out that physics was really fun, but wouldn't pay. And I got into this computer thing. So I actually graduated in 84 with a computer science degree. Um, as I said, first job was up on a mine site worked a bunch of other places. So I got into networking in about 1988. Uh, then I did a year of pre and post sales support in the US, you know, it's, um, flying around the US installing networks. That was 89 to 90. Went back to networking, uh, went through a university research group, that spawned a startup. Um, that lasted from like 97 through 2000. Flew myself over to Silicon Valley, got a job. That was 2001 through 2005 for a start with Luminous Networks. When that hit the ground, I got the side, I was sick of building stuff that disappeared. Because, you know, it's like you build a castle in the sky, but no one else notices. So I went to work for Cisco because I wanted to build something that people would actually get to use. Right. What I didn't really know was I was going to work for the group that made Catalyst 2K and 3K, you know, which, as you probably know, is the backbone of most enterprises out there in the world. Um, So, A year, you know, six months in or so, I got to work on a project that was then called Next Gen Wiring Closet, because everything can be a next gen, and that's what became the Catalyst 3850, uh, which became, you know, one of the best selling switches in the world, and that then birthed the Catalyst 9K, which as you all know is uh, Cisco's fastest, fastest growing product. So, I got to work on the architecture that really defined Cisco's future campus switching, which is sort of awesome. Yeah, no,
1: again, folks, it is a mouthful. I mean, I spoke to Peter a couple of times already and to consolidate and ask him to, hey, so just submerge 20 minutes of content uh, of your life career <laughs> is very difficult. So we're um, really appreciated on what you, how you described where you're at today and what you're doing with Cisco. Talk to us a little bit about the Ethernet Alliance, um, not so much where it started, but what it is that you got, what your team of, or the alliance, is it taking over the world or is it, it you know, world domination or is it, how is it providing? Well, uh,
0: clearly world domination. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing else is worth aiming for. So yeah. let, me, let me briefly touch on where alliances fit into the world. Um, probably the most well-known one is the Wi-Fi Alliance. Everyone knows about Wi-Fi Alliance certification. So the alliances in general, they serve Sort of a parallel function. There's vendors who have a vendor point of view. Then there's standards, and standards get written by groups under certain rules. Often, what you need is you need a bridge between the vendors, the standards, and the users. Because you must have seen that, right? Standards often speak in standard ease. And you guys will know this if you go look at a standard from TIA TR42 or something else. It requires translation to humans.
1: Right. It's, it's so not the, <laughs> the
0: same. Uh, the Ethernet standard in general continue increasingly modifies the original. So now I think it's up to 150 causes. And the first causes tend to be things like uh, 10 base 2. So Ethernet Alliance really is a it's a collection of vendors and people in the industry. And we try and help push the industry forward. So we did a lot of work with interrupt testing. right? So we'll do plug fest before products are released. We'll get all the people, all the vendors into a room and actually get them to go and make sure their stuff works. Right. Because eventually that's the promise of Ethernet. We also try and provide information into the into Ethernet standard script at a three to give them some of our views on what we're hearing. And a big part of what we do is we go and we evangelize Ethernet to the outside world. Now your question becomes is why we need to evangelize? Well, there's things like new technology. So for instance, Ethernet Alliance normally exhibits at OFC. And what we'll do is we'll get a whole bunch of vendors together, we'll show a multi vendor demo up and running. Because as you know, right? Seeing is believing. Right. We also do webinars, and so we'll do webinars. We'll do white papers, trying to basically explain technology so people can consume it. There's been a lot recently about our POE certification program. We'll tend to do things explaining where we think things are going with that 200 gig or 500 gig. Again, the the goal is really provide vendor-neutral information out to the market, because there's one thing to hear the vendor says X, right? There's another thing to hear the industry saying Y.
1: So that's sort of your final job. Yeah, well, I I had the honor of working for a large manufacturer at one time and one of the slogans there was they never uh, manufactured to a specification. They would always try to manufacture to exceed the specification because they knew that the IEEE or the TIA was going to change anyway, going to edit that version. So they always tried to ahead of it. And it's very, um, I, I would commend them for doing that. Um, and one of the things that we deal with in, in the company that I have, um, we scrutinize the product set solutions that we offer to our clientele. There's a lot of um, counterfeit cables or counterfeit material out there, or poor, uh, not trustworthy uh, vendors or
0: uh, so I think what you're getting to is the standard is the bottom, right? You want to exceed the standard in all the ways that matter.
1: Right. So Absolutely. I is,
0: mean, there is a, usually misunderstanding, the standard is not a product spec. Right. A standard is an interoperability spec. Right. And I mean, if you look at IETF, they say, I don't remember the exact words, but they say, be very careful what you send and very, be generous in what you receive.
1: Right.
0: Um, no, it's... It, it, your goal is to, your goal is to make sure when people use your stuff, it just works.
1: I mean, and and that's the, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're around or I should say the company's around since 1984 for a reason, you know, because people trust in the products, they trust in the people like yourself that you're doing the due diligence and, and providing a value add, not only to the, these alliances, but also to the companies that you, you work for and the departments that you, you're in charge. of. There's
0: two ways I look at this. Um, Firstly, the hardest thing is getting customers for the first time. So you should never lose them, right? So your job is always to sell for the next refresh, not this one. <laughs> where was I going with the other one? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> i right, right okay. oh, um, really I think right. the, the other key part is that, so the system in particular, right? We don't always get it right, but we do fix it. So that's where you get the trust from the companies, right? They don't expect us to always be correct. But if right. things go, go wrong, we have their back. And that's what I think really is one of our key benefits, right? We have that trust built over up over many years. Right. It says when things go wrong, right, we have you back, we'll figure it out.
1: So in a, a recent conversation that you and I had, uh, again, you, you laid out so much information to me. And again, thanks for that. I I, I just bring up a, a fun fact, you know, people look at the, uh, Chevrolet, you know, the 1956 you put it out, 1956 Corvette versus the 2020 Corvette. Talk to our guest about how that is in the same perspective or in a similar fashion of what what we're we're talking about infrastructure, the layer one infrastructure and how is it supporting the network in the, in today's market.
0: So I mean, this is the thing that I sort of got to after a bit of a while, because, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm, not the fa- I'm not the fastest guy off the block. <laughs> but I was working in a bunch of projects, and one of them was the Catalyst 3850, and that was the case where we were going to sell a switching platform that could have significant upgrades after we sold it. Because, as you know, there are switches that go in branches, they don't have, like, a 2-year life cycle like the DC. They can be out there 6, 8, 10 years. One thing that's true is there network's change over that time. If you're going to tell me your network is static over eight years, I'm going to tell you that it's actually a barrier to your business. So if the business has got to grow, the network has to evolve with it. Right. It's like, okay, this is a case of we've got to add value to what's out there. The next thing I was involved in was uh, base t Alliance, which was promoting two and a T and five G-base-T over category five and six. It's like, firstly, why are you doing that? Well, because we could see the need for more than a gigabit to each device. You know, be it a... 11 AC Wave 2 access point, an AX access point, a 5G microcell, um, an Intel server, choose your poison. Now, as you well know, right, actually, so I got some numbers from a while ago, 2014, the install base of category cables are at 1.4 billion drops, and 1.3 billion were 5e and 6. And even to this day, 6 is still growing, 5e is dropping, but there's still a lot of it. So if we had said, we'll wait till six days dump, you know, is a significant marketplace, right? We'd be waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. So then you sort of get to the stage of, hang on a second, this, this infrastructure, this is an asset. And our task is to give you more value over the asset. And that still comes through with work I was doing on 25 gig. Because when 25 gig was spec- specified in a to 3 it was specified as server switch connectivity for a DC. So, they did it with uh, direct copyright um, coax. And they did it with multi mode, but only up to 100 meters. They did a the base T as well, the base T is 40 meters of category A. All right, so in a DC, it changed a lot, that's probably okay, but for a campus, that's not helpful. So, when I got involved in 25 gig for the rest of the world, we start off with single mode and we set the parameters to say the same optical parameters as required for 10 gig. Right, so 10 and 40 with the same ones. Right. What does that mean? That means if it's running 10 gig single mode, you could plug in 25 and know it worked. Makes adoption simpler. Right. And so the next thing i up getting to, which we'll get to a little bit is single per ethernet, which is sort of the same deal. So what you see is you mentioned that infrastructure. So the example I gave you was that in 56, they, they started building interstates. They finished in like mid nineties. They built 48,000 miles, but it's a 12 foot lane width. Is. The Corvette C1 is, is one of those pictures I have from 56 and then there's the 2020.
1: 240 horsepower in comparison to 495 horsepower. It's a little different
0: thing. But if you <laughs> imagine, so let's imagine I built you a 2010 Corvette and it was 16 foot wide. And I told okay. you, look, this is awesome. Just build a new city. That's not very helpful. So if you think about the cable infrastructures to call to the interstate, our job is to leverage that infrastructure to do new things. Now, right. I can I can guide, so I can guide that if you put in Category cabin today, you, put, you should put in Six A. Right. But between when I guide that and when it becomes the dominant install base is a very long time. Right. So, you know, we in the networking business have got to get away from the idea that every new every new speed will get a new network.
1: Right.
0: Now, as I said, things are a little different in the cloud-scale DCs because they rip and replace it often. But if you looked around Enterprise Buildings, how often they recable them? It's not that When you obvious. gut it or when you build a new one.
1: Right. And, and, and that's a, that brings me to another point, another topic of discussion. What you brought to my attention was the Sinclair uh, Hotel down in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Sinclair Hotel was built pre war. Um, you know, it's it's a beautiful art deco uh hotel if you're ever in the fort worth texas area i highly advise you check it out i know many people are not traveling these days but one of the things that peter had brought to my attention is that it is embase t being run on on uh, the network
0: so in particular that's What's, really the world's as as far yeah. as i mean that's the world's first peewee peer-powered hotel
1: right so it's not just so that, it's not so just the way- lights Right.
0: They went the Whole Hog, right? They, right. they have Kiwi powered uh, mini fridges.
1: Right.
0: That was because the, the guy at the top of the food chain, Farouk, um, he sort of had a vision of what he wanted to build. And so, you know, that's an awesome demonstration of what you can build. But I'd also say that not, not everyone gets to make those choices on, on their project. So, yes, if the guy at the top says, I'm going to go and execute this vision, awesome. And go have right. fun. To but in a more the right conventional person. place, you know, if I'm coming in and doing like a midlife refresh for a building, right, I don't necessarily I really don't want to have to recable it. So right. or you could be somewhere like a university or a heritage building where you really can't go and knock walls out. Right. Or maybe it's got asbestos. So the idea of solving your network problems by recabling, I think it's just not credible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, yeah. it, it Go ahead. Where, where, of course, does this make sense? Where does this matter for a cabling vendor? Because I've just told people I don't sell cabling. I think the reality is that, you know, I told you story earlier about what you want is the second deal. I think you establish credibility by selling really solid infrastructure, which adds value over time. So even though a given building might be 30 years, like if I look at a university, for instance, maybe they've got 150 buildings. Maybe they're renovating two a year. If I can establish credibility and offer rock solid performance, then I get the next deal. Right. So you're not and you're not selling on fear, uncertainty, and doubt. You're selling on proven ability to deliver. And you mentioned earlier, I think, um, at least in our conversation, that there is there is what you call you know, first level product, second level, and sort of third level. And if people just think all Cat Five is the same, right, then it's usually okay when you. Put it together and maybe secure okay a house, but if you put that thing in a, in a, a 28 cable bundle, it ain't going to work so good for you. So we have to be able to sell the value of what we do. We have to yeah. be able to sell the workmanship, the components, because otherwise we're just a cost saver. Yeah. So I think if you think about it that way, what you end up with is the goal for, for instance, the cable communities to build rock solid infrastructure which will support companies as they change. No, yeah, that's uh, a pretty good business, but that requires a little bit of long-term view. But what it is, is it's a, it's a morally strong profession. Uh, it's a thing you can go feel proud of.
1: Well, And, and I, I concur with that wholeheartedly. Prior to uh, me joining the team over at Wise Components, we were celebrating our 45th year in business, October 31st. Bohemian Rhapsody, October 31st, 1975, was it came out, it was established but the founder of the company also incorporated. He didn't like Queen, he liked church music, but nonetheless, his one vision, his one goal was to educate people that, that need you know, resources. They, they were sa- selling uh, to IB, folks like IBM prior to, they were the commercial grade Radio Shack back in the 1950s and 60s. And then later when they became incorporated, Wise Components started you know, the whole network space So it was evolving. And as we evolved with what we sell today, but the one thing that's never changed is the trust factor is that, you know, we try to get it right every single time, but we can't. And I'll just be truthful about that. I put my hand on the Bible, but if we don't get it right, we make sure that we make good on it and we get it done the next time so that people come back. And that's why I added before, we deal with quality manufacturers, quality vendors over the last 45 years because if something is wrong, we want the assurances that people are gonna stand by product to uh, you know, ensure that the customer, whoever that may be, is not left standing alone, that we're standing side by side to eliminate so, the so grief. So the
0: same philosophy we have because trust yeah. is hard to gain and really easy to lose.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, I can't, can't uh, reiterate that enough times um, you also mentioned to me in previous conversations the uh, single pair Ethernet, um, kind of.
0: That, that is my current hobby horse.
1: W- say so again.
0: That's that's my current thing. So, yeah. I mean, I mentioned through this this theme or this arc where I was working on what became Catalyst thirty eight fifty, and that became a like a three and a half billion dollar product line. Of course, now it's migrating to Catalyst nine K, as you can see. It's <laughs> actually, actually the sure? same the same fundamental infrastructure. Um, of the future. <laughs> so if you start viewing the network, as a key asset of a business. And your goal is to add value to it. So if I look in a building today, right, there is an IT network and anywhere from, you know, two to 10 different OT networks. Now, in the case of like the, uh, the maritime Clear, they, they really went for a fully integrated IT, OT network from day one but that's not necessarily most of the world. Now, if right. we were not in the office today, I could look up and I could start listing that there's the extract, the temperature sensors and everything else. But, so if you go and look at how that stuff is built and it's common both in building and industrial automation, basically they have fuel buses on the end, right? It could be BACnet, it could be lawn works, it could be just RS-485. In the uh, factory world, it's likely to be things like DeviceNet. In general, that's all serial communication stuff. It's mostly running over a single copper pair. And it's, I, I talked with someone else and he says, the people who deal with that stuff are old and cranky like me. <laughs> um, and so there's a whole set of problems when you want to move forward and really add value to that OT network and modernize it. Um, that stuff is, becomes a barrier. Now I can go out and tell people, just rewire your buildings, put in normal IT, ethernet structures, everything will be fine. That might be a good idea but how long do you think that would take to get mass adoption? Yeah, okay. a while. <laughs> yes, yes my, my kids will be working on it. <laughs> right.
1: All
0: right, so let's say instead we, we figured out that we want to get to ethernet and we took a look at what's needed and we defined the ethernet standard to meet the needs of that environment. Right, so that standard we've done is called additive three CG, published in 2019. So it's 10 megabits single per ethernet and it runs up to a kilometer And orders power. So you know a normal media you'd want to see that on would be um you know 18 gauge so what they'll normally call 18 2 So it also supports the short range for cars and also short multi-drop and we're actually working on a follow-on standard to expand multi-drop but the goal is to be able to bring ethernet to the places you normally run those fuel buses without fundamentally rethinking how you design I also want to get to the stage where I can upgrade an existing infrastructure to run Ethernet instead of running backnet or instead of running works and then provide new value on that same infrastructure. So if you think what's happening through the whole OT world, right, be it industry 4.0 or everything else, right, everyone wants to make buildings better and smarter and more efficient. Now you could argue whether that's the goal is to save money on power. Uh, whether it's to reduce your overall energy consumption as part of a green strategy, whether it's to make the building smarter as opposed to COVID nineteen, it doesn't really matter. All those things are true. All right, I mean, a it's a collective effort.
1: It's a, it, prior prior to COVID. I know in New York uh, City, um, they had passed in November of last year uh, the local law ninety seven local law in 97, which is uh, to reduce the carbon emission footprint by 40% by 2030. So there's 50, I, I, I'm, I might be off and by a you can a argue whether bit.
0: that's a social responsibility thing or actually an economic, economic benefit because they use less power.
1: And then, Right, but then now you throw COVID into the mix, there's a whole other aspect of you know people spacing and occupancy sensors and staging of digital finance. The other
0: thing which is often overlooked, is I, I believe it's Rolls-Royce. They don't actually sell you an engine, they actually lease it to you, because they want the data. So if you look at Kone, for instance, they'll sell you a cloud connection with their elevator. So everyone wants to get more data and this infrastructure to optimize it. But right now all that Fieldbus stuff is fundamentally barriers to moving on. To saying nothing about the fact that the people who deal with it look more like me than more like you. All right, so let's imagine what we really want to do is get that stuff out of the way and move these guys on the current protocols. We need to address having that underpinning. Now, some answer to that say, well, I could run this over Wi Fi, I could run this over Bluetooth or Zigbee, right? And so those are excellent protocols. But I think running stuff over a wire that gives you power and data has a lot of very strong advantages. All right, so the standard actually started originally based on industrial use cases for process control. But think of it for a second if you look at a standard commercial building, you take a look at all the 18.2 that's in that for all the controls. You go, okay, I can make that all Ethernet without rewiring it. I can also do it incrementally. So now I have the ability to adopt, to deploy fundamentally new technology and re- revitalize the building in maybe, a, you know, a couple of, couple of weeks shutdown. I can do it incrementally. So you right. start upgrading your building like you upgrade your IT devices.
1: It's mm. definitely an interesting concept um, or reality, I should say, not a concept.
0: So right now it's it's the it's the window I'm charging and it's starting to get there.
1: Don Quixote.
0: Don Quixote, I have I have that slide. Um sixteen oh five, I believe. It's the oldest it's the oldest literature in the Spanish language. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: But the idea is to go and say, look, we know that the automation business, right, OT wants to move the current protocols and technologies, right, for a whole lot of reasons. So the question becomes is how can we, the networking industry, make that easier? I think one of the things to make it easier is to let them reuse existing infrastructure and existing design patterns. Because yeah. that way I don't have to retrain from scratch. I mean, I could go into someone and say, look, you're gonna go, you're, you're off basically, you've got a commission to do four new buildings. What you really should do is redesign it from scratch to use this fundamentally new technology. And in the case of the, Mer- you know, the Fort Worth, Merritt Sinclair, they did that. But that's because they're the guy signing the checks believed and was willing to
1: pay for it. Right. I mean, that's what you have to do. I mean, it's a typical sales one-on-one. You have to convince the the person that's signing the checks, right? Uh, Peter, I I mean, we could, we could talk for days about what it is that you've done, what you're currently doing and what's ahead for the future for you at Cisco, as well as the ethernet Alliance. I know that for a fact, I said I've I've enjoyed thoroughly this conversation with us on wise up. Um, But I, 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 I don't think I could take any more. <laughs> is
0: your brain about to explode?
1: <laughs> it it's, it is, but uh, it doesn't take much. I'm not that smart. But uh, in any case, um, again, I thank you so much for taking this opportunity. What I do want everyone out there to know is what's on the horizon uh, with Peter Jones can be found at Peter. Uh, please. Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> so I, 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 I'm, on, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I also have a, a quick reference website at aboutme Jones and maybe you can put all those links in the show notes. Um, and I'm not shy, I, I talk a bunch of other places. So Anthony, what I'm hoping is this gets a bunch of comments or questions. And if, if that happens, how, how do we follow I, up?
1: I do too. So again, just like Peter just said, for all of you listening out there, tell a friend, uh, You know, be sure to continue to comment. Apple iTunes has us at five stars. I don't think it can get better than that, but we do want to hear from more people. So please continue to get us on Anchor, get us on Spotify, get us on Apple iTunes or whatever other streaming services. We're putting this out on Instagram. We're putting this out on Twitter. We're putting this out on LinkedIn. Um, I can't thank Peter enough for taking this opportunity to speak to me on Wise Up today. So thank you again, Peter. Really appreciate it.
0: Anthony, this this was a lot of fun. Thanks for chatting. We should do this again sometime.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was great. Thank you.